joining us to continue our podcast on the Zoom platform. Today, we'll be looking at the world of esports. With Viking Sports, it's just become the first third level institute in Ireland to launch an esports scholarship program. The scholarship will be offered to players of five main titles, which are League of Legends, Valorant, Rocket League, Counter Strike, and FIFA 20. Uh, to help us dive into the world of esports, I'm delighted to say we are joined by Dara Cunningham, founding director of Ireland Esports, Aidan Boylan, managing director of College Esports Ireland, and Brian McNamara, managing director of Rage Studios. You're all very welcome. Each of our guests today have very different backgrounds, and but now work in, in the area of esports, and all three guests also had a helping hand in forming the Whitfork Viking Esports Scholarship Programme. So Dara, we might start with you. Uh, we in WIT are just kind of catching up uh, on the large ecosystem that is esports. Uh, can you tell us maybe a little bit about how big this is right now and how big it's likely to get in the coming years? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, statistics are kind of difficult to come by, particularly in Ireland. Uh, but we would estimate that there's 700,000 players uh, in, in, in the Republic and a further 300,000 north of the border, making it around a million on the island of Ireland. Now, to put that in scale, realistically, within the world of sport, that is only comparable to what is known uh, within sport as the big three, uh, which is GAA, soccer, and rugby. Uh, realistically, probably rugby wouldn't even have those type of numbers. So really, you're, you're looking at in terms of an ecosystem, in terms of a, a platform or a baseline level for esports, comparable to that of the GAA or soccer. Now, some people might scoff at that uh, because re what happens is esports is not something that clogs up a park on a Saturday or a Sunday. You don't see hundreds of thousands of kids playing it. It's not going to stop you getting a parking space near the local shopping center when there's a match on. And for that reason, esports can often fly under the radar with regards to its size and scale. But make no mistake, esports is absolutely massive and is the only sport at, uh, currently capable of cracking that top three within Ireland. Yeah, yeah, really, really huge. So, um, so obviously, as we, as you mentioned there, you're you're involved with Ireland Esports, the the NGB in Ireland. Can you tell us a little bit about what that job entails and, and what you do? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, Ireland Esports came into fruition there last December. Uh, I myself have a, a sports administration background, so I've been a sports manager uh, for 18 years, working with various different traditional sports. Uh, former CEO of Pentathlon Ireland, chair of Swim Ireland's high performance selection panel, consultant with Ladies Gaelic Football. So I'm coming at it from a perspective of um, sports governance. So uh, being an avid esports fan and a gamer myself, uh, when I looked into esports as an entity for a national governing body within the sporting world, I discovered that there was no structure, no formal structure. Um, and perhaps being uh, somewhat ambitious, I decided that I could perhaps help to provide that structure. Uh, so I built a good team. Uh, we built a good team around us and we created Ireland Esports, which is there to uh, provide um, that, that, that formal structure, same way that other sports uh, enjoy and have um, a place and a platform to, 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 to go back to. Um, for example, if you're playing any sport and there's an issue, you always have that national governing body to go to. Esports lacks that infrastructure. Uh, so our plan within our esports is to provide that. Uh, we don't shy away from the issues that are around in esports. Uh, child safeguarding, for example, uh, is, a, is, a, is a big issue. And that's something we bring a lot of expertise into the field with. In education is another one. I mean, esports is here to stay. Uh, it's not going anywhere. Burying our head in the sand and, and hoping that uh, it goes away for some parents. Uh, it shouldn't really be an option anymore. So we also aim to educate parents and players around the safe and and and, and mostly successful use of, of esports and gaming. 
Oh, brilliant. Yeah, it's absolutely essential to have that NGB, as you said, there, so, somewhere to go with. Um, so, Aidan, I might come to you next. Just obviously, um, as we said before, you're, you're working with college esports in Ireland. Uh, can you give us an idea maybe how college competitions work in esports and uh, kind of what your job entails with, with uh, college esports Ireland? Sure. Um, so in relation to how the competitions actually actually work is that we put out the competitions that we're running for, for, the, for the semester, for the year, and then we go to the college societies, like your game societies, your, your, net, your net socks and, uh, and things like that. And we go and say, hey, we're running these competitions. You like to enter a team. And we get a we always get a good amount of teams um for the tournaments and they run pretty well. So they just they run online. Um they run over the course of about ten weeks. Um they usually have a group stage into a knockout stage into semifinals, finals, um, and then we have a crowned winner at the end. All competition takes place online. And we usually allow teams to to organize their own games. As you know, college life can be difficult getting times where everybody's available at the one time. So we allow teams to sort out their own games and then we broadcast them similar to a sports broadcast. We have, you know, essentially what is a cameraman and a um, following the game. And then we have two commentators that kind of give you the info, the background, everything you need to know about the players, the teams, and kind of how the game is progressing and what might happen coming up depending on different strategies players are, are using um, and then as that goes on like I said we whittle down to a semi-final finalists and they play the games and we usually just broadcast them and you know crown of crown a winner at the end similar to most, to most similar sports you know yeah yeah and is it um, kind of limited to a certain number of titles uh, or games or is it kind of endless as, as much as there's a uh... Uh, I suppose uh, an audience there or, or, or people willing to play it. So we're kind of in tune with what would be the games that would have kind of the bigger community following in Ireland, um, namely around, let's say, Rocket League, League of Legends, CSGO, Valorant is a new one with a growing um, esports um, community in Ireland. So we probably will look towards that to, for, for the year coming in. And um, we also have Rainbow Six then as well. And um, so we kind of just we run those uh, those those sorry those games, and um, and they're kind of our mainstay and what we look to kind of operate with going into the future as a core core amount of titles. And then as new things pop up, we might have a look at them. It all depends, you know. Yeah, yeah. So very similar to your to your traditional sport, I suppose, setup. Um, to switch it then, Brian, um, you you're not working with an NGB like uh, like the others here but more on the commercial side, so as, as managing director there of Rage Studios. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the kind of market, the market in Ireland and how big is that commercial market, I suppose? Yeah, sure. Um, so I suppose I kind of a little bit of a background. Um, in 2017, if we look at League of Legends, as just one example of it. It's the biggest esport in the world. Um, Riot Games, which I worked at for three years, announced there was 110 million monthly active users at that time, um, kind of mid-2017. So kind of for context, um, that was there was 80 million monthly active Netflix users. So at that point, you know, League was bigger than Netflix. Um, since then, I found out recently that the amount of players just for League in Ireland has doubled in that time. Um, so the commercial opportunities there are huge, and especially over the last kind of couple of years, we've had a lot of um, brands kind of coming to us, um, as well as other agencies trying to understand the space. You know, they've seen kind of how others have had success and how others have had some failures. Um, so kind of understanding, you know, how to talk to uh, esport enthusiasts, right? So whether you're 
the player or the viewer. Um, they can be very different experiences, but you know, coming at it through uh, an angle that feels authentic and natural is one of the, the key things that we kind of would push on to people to help them see the success that they need. Um, Red Bull, for an example, do a great job of it here in Ireland. They have multiple different esports products that they run through ourselves. Um, Open League of Legends, CSGO, we're in talks currently to help them move into more spaces. Um, RTE have had multiple chats with us for them to kind of understand, um, right, how do we do this and do it well? Um, we've been talking to them for the past year and a half. You know, they know that they have to move into this space. They can't ignore it. It's enormous for Gen Y and Gen Z. Um, so it makes sense for them as a business or so kind of helping them carve out that path and what that looks like. So it's it's one of these spaces where the opportunity is only continuing to get bigger and bigger. Um, but the risk is also really, really high. Yeah, we've seen, unfortunately, some uh, entities kind of come in and use the, the kind of catch-all net of, oh, it's, it's sports, so I'll, I'll talk to them as though it's GA, for example, and it, it doesn't come off well. So we're really kind of focused on helping people, you know, avoid those pitfalls. Um, entering the market in an authentic way so they can see success because when they succeed we succeed um, so excellent then so it, it kind of leads me on to my next question then so so for someone like myself who may not be familiar can you tell us a little bit about raid studios and what you kind of do yeah for sure um so we're an agency in the games industry right our, our two biggest kinds of clients are game makers and then brands um so game makers, for an example, uh, whether it's EA or Activision or Riot Games, we can work with them to execute usually online events of some description, um, so tournaments like at the grassroots level. Uh, then with brands, as I kind of touched on before, when they're looking to, whether it's a product launch or some other kind of activation, we'll help them understand the space. And um, that can kind of come down to mostly online tournaments um, that we would do the complete administration of, the broadcasting of on-air talent. Um, so like, for example, a lot of the talent that we work with and would have worked with over the past few years here in Ireland now are on the international stage, the biggest stages of esports in the world. Like some of our guys are on like um, the stages in China doing the equivalent of Michal Amirhartig, you know, of esports type stuff. Um, and they've come from the grassroots here uh, so kind of showcasing the talent that we have here is also a big kind of part of what we do um, because we as Irish people have uh, we have a penchant for talking quite well especially about things we're passionate about um, so kind of you know reinforcing that and helping grow that yeah, as well yeah brilliant brilliant and um, Dara next question towards you so um, obviously a lot of people listening to this would be kind of our traditional sports people so um, and again, there's that minority that may think that esports might not may or should not be classified as a sport. Um, what do you kind of have to say from an esports background to people who may think in that that kind of way? Yeah, I think I think you have to kind of accept that that's going to be the case with any new sport that comes onto the scene, and it's always the same in any walk of life. There's mine and yours, and mine is better than yours. And to be honest, as a sports person and as a sports purist, and I have to I have to admit, I am a sports purist. Um, I, I don't engage in that because to understand sport in its purest form, you have to accept that different people like different sports in different ways. And that's absolutely fine. I know there's certain sports I wouldn't have a, a, great, a great love for, uh, but I do not deny their right to exist or to exist as a sport. What's really important with regards to this is where esports is going. And I think as Brian mentioned, 
uh, with regards to RTE looking at things, it's something that can't be ignored anymore. And if we look at the Olympics, for example, I think it's, it's, it's really a fait accompli at this stage that esports will be in the Olympics at some point in the very, very near future, because it just can't be ignored. The figures are, are, are too big. And perhaps there's an air of cynicism around that with regards to the Olympics and commercialization. But one way or another, esports will be in the Olympics within the next probably eight years, uh, which I think is going to be a great move and removes the, 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 the entire conversation from is it a sport or isn't it? Because it's in the Olympics, it is a sport. Uh, and, and that's as simple as that. Uh, and I think once that happens, you're going to see a, a greater deal of acceptance. But the real crux of it comes down to the effort and, um, and the time and dedication that goes into esports from, from the players at the, at the very top. And I've worked with, with, with Olympic athletes and I continue to work with Olympic athletes. And the dedication, the effort, the resilience, the teamwork, the tactics, uh, everything that they put into that is exactly the same as what I see uh, when I look at esports players. Uh, there's absolutely no difference with regards to that. What esports can bring to a person as an individual in terms of learning how to work as a team, working with people you perhaps wouldn't necessarily work with on a, on, a, on, a, on a normal daily basis or choose to work with, the resilience that that brings to the fore in people, which is probably the most important thing that any sports person can have because we all fail in sport. And this happens in esport again and again and again. And you have to have the mental fortitude to get back up and go again. Um, so esports brings all of this to the fore in the exact same way as any other traditional sport does. If we want to talk about physical activity, well, then we have to look at other sports like darts and snooker and things like that. But for me, sports is not about physical activity. Sport is about teamwork and friendship and resilience and all of those things that it brings. That it brings. It's far, far uh, greater than the sum of, of, of the physical activity that it brings. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I think that kind of sums it up the best, kind of each to their own, I suppose. It, it's, what, it's what the people want to play themselves. Um, then uh, to you, then Aiden, we'll go to you next. Um, so obviously you're involved with uh, college, college esports, and obviously college sport will be known very much for its social aspect. How have you seen that social aspect develop in college esports over your time? I suppose involved involved with it. So the the social aspect is something that I really love to focus on. Um, I'm a real community person myself. Um, if I when I was in college, if I had the ability to make friends who also play games, I would have had a much better time, let's say. But um, like the development of community and the social aspect of gaming in college has been fantastic. When you see players who would have maybe played a lot of the games by themselves because you know nobody around them plays games, and then they go to college and they can join the game societies and find players who um, who essentially want to play together but also want to compete together because as you know, once you want to get down the, the, the road of competing, um, you obviously put more time in, you develop closer closer bonds with them, your teammates, which, you know, can translate easily to to out of game as well, you know? So you eventually go out on social, social nights out and, uh, and, and things, do things in college um, with your fellow players and people from the society. And it's been great to see that even... Um, even not a kind of our own direction. They it's obviously organic and it's uh, developing by itself. But when you can see from my overview into a lot of the different societies and players uh, from the outside and see it develop organically, it's it's very kind of you know you're doing something right. You know what I mean? Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, and I suppose it's it's something that was prevalent. I suppose over lockdown, even yeah. Um, a lot of people were speaking that they 
they wouldn't have got to see their friends or, or talk to their friends like they would have only because they would have played online games together and stuff like that. So it was definitely something. Exactly. What, what I see is that, you know, through lockdown and through COVID, and you see a lot of, let's just say, parents and they're setting up their Zoom calls with their, with their you know, with their family and their friends. And like, oh, that was great. I got to talk to so-and-so. Um, I got to talk to so-and-so for a few hours. I wouldn't have seen them. I haven't seen them in months. The phone doesn't really do what I wanted to do anymore, but Zoom does it. And you just kind of t- turn around to me and say, well, look, I mean, you say, you mean your child's always been in their bedroom, you know, talking, playing games, but that's what they've been doing for the, every night for the last, you know, three to four years with their friends. They just, they just have a different way of doing it, you know? And it's great to kind of see that eye opener for them, you know? For parents especially yeah another medium another if i can actually just come in there for a second just to just to reiterate that point uh, a good friend of mine is dave mcgill who's the the ceo of badminton ireland and he's an avid gamer also and he was telling me a story that his, his family home is in a rural community and he's a 13 year old brother and on late winter evenings the brother isn't allowed to leave the house to go to go to a friend's house because the roads are too dark and the friend's house is too far away but what he can do is he can put on a headset and he can team up with his friends and he can engage in, in, in playing some games with them in an active way uh, that keeps their mind stimulated, keeps their cognitive function going, but also creates that friendship as, as, as Aidan was just speaking about. So it does have a very, very practical use because realistically at 13 years old, what's the other option? Sit there and watch Netflix, and let your mind you know, numb for the next four hours or engage in something that, that, that gets, the, gets the neurons firing and also has that social interaction as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Um, I suppose it's it's uh, lockdown and COVID probably really brought that brought that to the forefront of people's minds. Um, then again, obviously, Brian, you were speaking there about the talent and 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 depth of talent. I suppose that's in Ireland. Um, and when you think of esports, you might think of uh, the Asian countries or maybe even the states as the epicenters of of esports. But uh, Ireland really isn't the ticket of action, really, isn't it? With the likes of EA EA Games and and Riot Games with their headquarters here. Yeah, it really, really is. Um, and a lot of those bigger kind of games companies, they, they aren't just here as a postcode. They're actually like really, really here. Um, you know, Riot kind of being the one that I, I know most <laughs> because I've I spent quite a bit of time there. Um, but it was definitely kind of a, a phenomenon that really started in South Korea going back a while to spread around the world. Um, but now it really, really is global right now. Um, as was when when we say the word e-sport, it's kind of akin to saying sport as such, because each different title in it is, you know, League of Legends might be your football and uh, CSGO could be your rugby and kind of understanding that each different region has different levels of popularity of different esports. Um, you know, like CSGO is enormous um, in Europe. It, it's less so uh, in North America as, as such. Um, so even the different cultures are developing around that um, and they're being supported then by many of uh, the game makers and publishers and, and you know, the brands getting in on this. And then, you know, like what Dara is doing, which is really, really important that we have here, is getting the structure and the safeguards to come up around that to support the next generation, especially the younger people, but also really looking then to develop the path to grow, um, which it, whoever gets this right first is going to be a genius. It's, it's a tricky one. Um, but, you know, like how do... Um, the guys and girls currently, you know, looking to come into WIT at the scholarship, go from there to the next level to join a team, you know, not be taken advantage of, your contracts are good. And, you know, when when you fall down, who's there to support you and getting back up? You know, these are all of the things that are there at the minute. And a lot of the publishers that are here, you know, they're keen to see that done right as well. Um, 
because when it's done right, it looks good on them, you know, and they get the trust of their players, the players' parents, you know, when the players are younger. Um, and then as well as, you know, local government as well. That's a, it's a pretty big thing. Yeah, which kind of, again, I suppose, leads me on to my next question with, with you, Dara, uh, involving that NGB and with the ecosystem of esports constantly changing, even the games are changing, the, mo- the consoles, everything is changing. How hard is it to, to form that in- infrastructure around, around the games and form the rules, I suppose? Yeah, well, that aspect of it, it probably isn't, isn't, isn't too bad, in fairness. As, as Brian just, just mentioned there, esports is a, it's a more general term. I mean, esports is, as a term, it's probably like Olympics. You don't, you don't do Olympics. You compete in the Olympics. And within that, you have your, your, your various titles. They can chop and change. Uh, and players will chop and change within that. I mean, the, the skill set for Call of Duty might be similar to the skill set of Halo or, 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 or CSGO or, or something along those lines. And it, they, they just evolve over time. Um, what's really important is to put the safeguarding structures into play. That's, that's probably the most important thing. It's probably the most difficult thing for developers as well. Because if we look at how the developers work on these things, they'll, put, they'll, they'll make a game an online platform and it's, it's global. And it's incredibly difficult to police. Where we see ourselves fitting in is being able to put a structure around that just for Ireland, a much smaller community, albeit a, a massive community in terms of Irish sport, but small globally. Uh, and be able to pr- provide support um, for those players within that safeguard environment. And that will involve a lot of interaction with regards to the developers and, uh, and publishers and things like that. But as Brian said, there is an appetite out there for that. There's responsibility on behalf of the developers and publishers to look after that, to look after the players. Uh, because what we're talking about is, is continued usage of the product. We're talking about continued usage of the games, which we want to see. We just want to see it in a, in a, in a more safeguard environment. And the next step then, as, as Brian again mentioned, is, is that player pathway, uh, which again is something that, it, that other sports just take for granted. Uh, there might be a school system leading to a club system, leading to a regional system, uh, which then puts you into your elite bracket. Esports currently doesn't have that. And that's something that we'll, we'll work on. And perhaps using my own contacts and that with, of, of the board, we will tap into some wonderful performance directors who are working in Olympic sports and currently de- delivering Olympic medals for Ireland. And we'll tap into them to see what they might be able to, to help us with uh, with regards to creating those platforms. And again, I suppose, uh, like, how important on that pathway is something like the, the, the eSports scholarship that has been launched in, in WIT and, and hopefully will be the first of many, I suppose, across the, across the country. Yeah, it's, it, it's absolutely essential. I mean, if you look at the American system, the collegiate system leading into the professional game in many, many sports it, it is absolutely massive. But what's really great about the, the new scholarship in WIT is that there's a whole ecosystem around it now. So you have the likes of ourselves looking at that player pathway from very junior level. You have ICE there, the, the Irish Collegiate Esports, who can provide that, that, that system and structure around the collegiate play. And then hopefully putting those two things together, we can have a really strong pathway for players to progress onto the professional, uh, professional level. So it's absolutely essential. It's really going to open up some, some great doors and possibilities for players throughout the country. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, very excited about it. Uh, last question then towards you, Aidan. Um, I suppose, as, as we mentioned earlier, esports will be, will be part of the Asian Games going forward. And uh, it's been strongly looked at for the Paris Olympic Games uh, again in 2024 and, and after that. How big a step is that for esports, I suppose, to make the jump uh, to, to come in beside uh, your traditional sport? So I think it's, it's, it's quite a large step forward in maybe not to the 
person who's already an esports enthusiast, but to making esports kind of a lot more mainstream in the family home. You know, a lot, a lot of parents and, and things would only have the idea of esports around, let's say, Fortnite, particularly if you've got a young child and the progression there. But having it at the Olympics and the Olympic level, like Dara said, it solves the question on is it a sport straight away. It's in the Olympics, it's a sport. There you go. There's your answer. But it just it'll allow parents to see um, to see what esports is um, and how their child, who obviously has an, has an interest in gaming and esports, and how they can kind of progress and um, they can kind of they can progress and essentially just fit into this to the system that's there and find their own interest and develop their their own skills because you know everybody always says oh my kid's very good at this my kid's very good at that and this will give you something to strive for and actually encourage your child to progress through in the in the mainstream and then they can look at you know like we were saying the pathway and how to get there. And how it relates to like this WIT scholarship and um um with ice and into pro play. I mean it, it all brings it brings it all together and it's really gonna solidify things for the future. Excellent, yeah. Um that concludes uh, our podcast today, guys. Um we hope those of you who may not have had an interest before uh, understand the, the world of esports a little bit more, and those of you who already have an interest in esport are really excited about the uh, scholarship program that's uh it's taking place now in WIT. Thanks a million to Dara, Brian and Aidan. Uh, we look forward to working with you guys in the future. And that's a wrap for episode 25. This podcast is brought to you by WIT Novus. Thank you for listening. Hey.